At Vanguard, we know that this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and we're here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Adam Spolin at Sports Radio 610. How you doing, man? I'm good. So, at this moment in time, the safe bet is that Houston will select Jalen Green with the second overall pick. We've seen multiple reports from pretty credible people like Kevin O'Connor at this point that, that say he's going. that's where they're leaning. The Vegas odds have Green as the odds-on favorite for the number two overall pick. And Green himself is only planning on working out with the Pistons and the Rockets. Now, that last part is obviously posturing by Green's camp, but it is a little bit of an indication of where things stand right now. Yeah, I I agree. Um, There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of intel that is linking Evan Mobley or anyone else to the Rockets at this point. It kind of feels like uh, the two guys that are most likely to to be Rockets a week from today (laughs) would be Jalen Green or or maybe they swing a trade and wind up with Cade Cunningham. That's kind of the direction uh, that it feels like it's going. But it's still pretty early in the process. And uh, just listening to Rafael Stone talk yesterday, uh, they're they're certainly not boxing themselves into anything. So they are they seem to be uh, just keeping their options open with with everything, whether it be a trade up, a trade down, trade out of the pick, or just keep the pick at two. It, it kind of feels like that all their options are on the table right now. Right. And I think Green himself probably has reasonable confidence that he's going to be a top two pick. Um, Yeah. And you're right. Stone came out yesterday and insisted that they don't have anything locked in. But at this point, I'd be kind of floored if they don't know already who they're going to draft. We're a week away at this point. They've obviously done their homework by now. I guess my question to you is, if Green is indeed the pick, how do you feel about it? I think I don't think it's a pick that misses, to be honest with you. I, I think that he's a really good prospect. I think he has a really, really high ceiling. And I think that you are coming out of this uh, with a guy who's going to be a future all-star. I, I don't think that – I think that's going to be the case. I think that's what they want out of this draft. I think that's what they get out of this draft. So uh, I, I don't think one through four, I think you're going to wind up with a great player either way. It doesn't matter who you take. Um, there are certain fits that maybe you like better than others. But I think Green's an all-star. I think he's a future all-star. And while that's not the direction that I would go in personally, I don't think that you can go wrong with making that pick. Yeah, I agree. Like, I personally have two tiers in this top four. I have Cade Cunningham in a tier all all of his, all himself. And I have uh, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley in that second tier with probably Evan Mobley at the top. And when you have guys in a tier like that, it's pretty interchangeable. You can squint and see a case for all those guys at the second overall pick. Um, while while I personally think Mobley is the guy, uh, I can understand why anyone would be infatuated by Green. It's not it's not hard to see it, right? The guy's an A plus level athlete, uh, great leaper. Um, you know, finishing at the rim is good. Scored efficiently at the G League level. Good shooter. 
his handle is, you know, he's shifty, but it's, it's not that tight yet. You know, he could he could he could tighten that up a, a bit. But again, he's 19 years old. Everybody can tighten up their handle a bit. Um, his pick and roll ability again needs to improve. I have questions about the playmaking, and I have questions about the defense because. The playmaking just isn't as instinctual at this point the way it is with someone like Jalen Suggs, right? Like Jalen Suggs has that already down pat, and he seems like a little bit more of a well-rounded prospect because of it and the defense. But I think in terms of scoring ceiling, this guy definitely has one of the highest ceilings in this draft. Yeah, the transition stuff is pretty special, but um, you have to be able. You know, I wonder how he's going to handle scoring in the half court or being productive in the half court, especially early on and teams are going to try and slow you down. And I know the Rockets want to play fast and all that sort of stuff, but you kind of see it against the really good teams. And when the moments get big, the game slows down. And so can you rely on him to be productive when that's going to happen? I don't worry necessarily about the stuff that he's not good at right now. I kind of focus on the stuff that he's really good at right now. And that's kind of the athleticism, uh, the ability to get to the rim. I, I think that matters more. And then you just try and smooth out the rest of the edges uh, but for me, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I have Mobley and Cunningham on the same tier. And if I had the first pick, I would seriously contemplate taking Mobley. Just for me, it's the size. And I think that's the one negative with Green. It's not like he's small or anything like that, but he's not like a transcendent, you know, he's six foot five. You know, that's nice to have, but you would like, if you're going to, you know, to build around someone, I think you'd like to build around someone who's got a little bit more size than six foot five. So that to me is the biggest thing. And size is not really anything that he can improve on. You know, James Harden is not the biggest guy in the world, but he's, you know, at least in terms of height, but he's built like a tank. So uh, that kind of covered up for just the, I guess, lack of height in that regard. Yeah. And what I love about Mobley is he is so versatile and so plug and playable, right? Like you don't have to construct a, a specific type of team to fit around him. He can fit in a bunch of different team constructs. And that's why I, he's, you know, my number two overall pick. I, I think he has a super duper high ceiling defensively. He is really gifted. Um, he moves East to West really well. And, uh, you know, that, that's something, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure. I, I, I don't have that same level of confidence with, uh, Jalen Green, obviously Jalen Green smaller. Um, he has a six seven wingspan, which is it's really hard to be a plus defensive player with a six seven wingspan. I mean, Drew Holiday is obviously the famous example of of a guy who managed to make make it work without you know a very high wingspan. But uh, in general, you need like a six nine six ten wingspan at the minimum to be like an awesome defensive player. So I think he's probably going to settle in at like a below average territory um, offensively. Again, like he instinctually, he just doesn't have it yet, and he, I think I think he can be get to a point where he's a good passer. I I don't think just because we don't see any like you know he doesn't have those instincts right now. I don't see a case where he's ever going to become a great passer. I think he'll become like a Devin Booker slash Zach Levine level passer, which you know averaging six and a half assists per game is not bad, but it's not it's not James Harden. You know, it's not like carry a team on my back level offense. And the, the assist numbers will come just based on the gravity that you have. You know, if I, I don't think Russell Westbrook is a great passer per se, but he averages a lot of assists just because of how much attention that he actually commands when, when he's out on the floor and when he has the ball in his hand. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to 
I, I don't want to say anything about you know some some of the negatives just because I, I haven't seen enough of him. Um, the the stuff that you hear though from guys that played him with with him in the G League, it, it's pretty you know it's impressive and it's not something that I necessarily expected to hear. You know, you hear the guy, you know, he goes and he takes the money. You you don't necessarily think that you know you kind of tend to to think the worst of him. I guess would be the best way to put it, as opposed to the guys who go to college. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Um, I, my my expectations weren't all that high, uh, but just reading about him, it, it's it's been very impressive. I, I think that so that sort of stuff. I, I think I'm pretty high on. I think I'm higher on him than you are. It sounds like, um, but yeah, I, I would still go Mobley. Yeah, here's what I'll say: if if Green is the pick, the Rockets are making somewhat of a ballsy bet on their player development and Green's work ethic. Uh, they're saying we understand Green may not be well rounded. Uh, right now but we believe he will iron out all these wrinkles in his game to the point where he is clearly going to be the second best player in the in the draft when we look back in five years and listen i think john lucas is awesome at this player development stuff and i thought it was pretty important that steven silas said yesterday that his whole coaching staff is going to return because these guys are going to have a lot of work ahead of him uh when i watch jalen green he feels like more of a project than a complete player at this point obviously He's 19. I understand that. Uh, and while I do admire the kid's attitude, as you said, the intangibles are clearly there. The work ethic is clearly there. I still think it's kind of a ballsy play to select him at number two when there are two other prospects. I'll say with higher floors, you know? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I think the hard part with Green is that you haven't necessarily seen him in a structured basketball environment. And I think that's the one thing with the G League is that you were playing against older guys and you were playing against a lot of NBA players, but it's not, you know, it's, it's very fast paced. Um, there's not a whole lot of defense that's played at all there. Um, it's kind of an all-star game environment. Almost. It, it feels like, whereas these college guys, you're seeing them in a, it's very, you know, the college game is very structured. It's very slow. It, you know, you get coached up a lot and the coaches basically control everything. Um, so you don't really have green in that environment, but I do think that, you know, he played really well in the G league and he probably did it against tougher competition. It was just a very different style of play. Right. Um, and I, I don't think they, that he had necessarily the best floor spacing in the, with the ignite team. Like I thought, um, you know, th- there wasn't that much shooting around him to be frank. I, I mean, if you're going to count Bobby it's Brown, of, it's a bunch of 18 year olds, basically. Yeah, I mean, and a couple vets, right? Like, like there, it just wasn't the best environment for um, playmaking. You know, like it was, it was a, cr- a crowded lane oftentimes when he was going in. Um, here's a question: Do we think Houston moves up or down? If I had to bet, I think that they would probably move down before they move up. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that they'll do either. I think the chances are are more likely than not that they just stay at two. But I think that they would rather move down to accumulate maybe an extra asset if Cleveland wants to to assure themselves of getting Mobley than they would of being able to trade up to get Cunningham. I agree. I and think, I, the- and I, I also don't think. Sorry, I also don't think that Detroit really wants to trade out of that pick either. Right. I was just about to say. I, I don't think Detroit moves down because well, the the price of moving up is going to be pretty hefty. I think uh, they're going to want their own pick back. Uh, they're going to likely want future picks back from Houston. Um, likely at least one of 23 and 24 from this year's draft, it's going to be a little bit expensive. 
which no. I'm not doing. I, I don't really have any interest in, in giving that up to move up one spot, if we're being perfectly honest. Yeah. Would you? And, I mean, I, I, I looked at it this way. Um, when Boston traded one to Philadelphia, I think it was three or four years ago in the Fultz draft, all they got back was an extra first-round pick, and that was moving from one to three. So if I'm the Rockets, I'm not giving up more than an extra pick to move up from one to three. And I know you look at it now and it's Fultz, but you know, Fultz was right up there. You know, Fultz was easily the number one prospect going into that draft. So Yeah, that, that was a consensus. I think people yes. look back and try to make it seem like it wasn't a consensus. That was a consensus. That, he was the consensus number one guy the entire year. And and you basically have had that with Cunningham the entire year. But so why am I going to move up? Why, you know, why am I going to give up a lot more than what than what Philly gave up to move up? You know, to you know to move up one spot where Philly gave up a lot, where Philly would have given up less to move up one. Well, I guess it really depends on how much better do you view Cunningham than these all these other guys. Like, do do you think Cunningham is this no brainer like superstar? You know, could could potentially be an MVP candidate level guy in the future. If you do think that's the guy, well, then there's no price that's too much, right? Like then, there's never a prize that's too much because you're always going to win the trade when you get a player like that. But if he's like you know you're, you know, a top twenty guy in the NBA, may not be a top ten guy at any point. You know, make it all NBA teams, but you can get that guy with number two as well. Then maybe not. Probably at that point, probably not. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and and I don't necessarily think Cunningham is quite that guy. I think he's really good, but I don't think that he's you know a, a a surefire Hall of Famer. I think that he's a multi-time All-Star and he does some things really well. But I, I, I don't have him. You know, like I said, I think I if if I had the number one pick, I would think about taking Mobley ahead of him. Right. So I could totally, and, and you mentioned it really briefly, but I could totally see a scenario where they try and tr- move down and trade with Cleveland because it's clear to me that the Cavs want Evan Mobley, and if if Houston truly wants Green. I think the Cavs will at least listen to offers so they can guarantee themselves Mobley. Now, it's questionable how much leverage they have now, given how much is leaked in the past week about them wanting Jalen Green, but it's an option to consider. Well, maybe that's why you, you leak all that stuff. You know, you, you, you kind of, you know, this is, this is lying season, as people say when it comes to the draft. So, you know, maybe you try and give off the appearance that, you know, with Cleveland that, that you're going to do one thing when you decide to do another. So, uh, it's really hard to say, but yeah, if you can, if if they really like Green and they know Cleveland really likes Mobley, I mean, they can always tell the Cavs, hey, you know, you know, we might like Green more, but you know, we're still going to take Mobley, and if we wind up keeping him, then we're going to be happy with him. So you, know, you could always have it where you know the Rockets take Mobley and the Cavs wind up taking Green, and maybe they flip them, you know, some you know later on that night. So there, there's a lot of different possibilities but if you can pick up another asset whether it be a first round pick i don't think the rockets would have interest in colin sexton but you know maybe if maybe if cleveland makes darius garland available to them in order in order for them to move up who knows i I think that could be a direction that they go in i agree and like i i because the the top of this draft is so awesome this year i don't think there's going to be any depreciation from having the pick in hand the player in hand and then making a trade later on like i think i think it's going to be just as valuable Especially if you know if if the team that was right behind you really wants the guy that you wound up picking. So yeah, I, I agree. This episode is brought to you by Jackson Hewitt. This year, there's more at stake with your taxes than ever. Thousands more. New tax credits could mean a bigger refund. 
And Jackson Hewitt Tax Pros are here to help you track down every last credit. Credits for having a baby, going back to school, caring for a parent, and even becoming self-employed. Get credit for all you do, and you could discover thousands of dollars in new tax credits. Schedule an appointment with a tax pro and learn more at jacksonhewitt.com. Where are you on 23 and 24 in this draft? Are there any particular players you're looking at and go and going, yeah, it's a player Houston would be really happy walking away with? I don't have exact players, but I think that they will look to get guys who are versatile and can shoot. Um, I, I think that was one thing just in talking to Steven Silas yesterday. You know, I, I asked him what's kind of the one thing that, that you learned from, from watching the playoffs over the last couple of months, and he brought up versatility. And so I, I don't think that they are going to take guys who can't guard multiple positions. I don't think they're going to, I don't think that they won't, I don't think that they'll take guys who can't shoot. So, uh, and you saw this last year when they started bringing in guys out of the G league and bringing in guys off the street, um, they were focused on guys who could shoot and they were focused on guys who, who had a little bit of size. So I think that's the direction that they'll go in. I don't necessarily think that they'll use both picks. Um, I could see them, you know, taking one pick or I can see them making one pick and then trading the other, maybe for something in the future. Maybe you package the two uh, picks together and try and move up a handful of spots. Uh, I think that it's very difficult to go into training camp and into next season with three first round picks on the roster. There's not, there's just not enough man hours to really develop those guys the way that I think that you would want. It's also really tough to tell whether or not they'd be willing to move up if they don't know how the draft is going, right? Because if your guy is going to fall down, then there's no reason to move up. But if on draft night, like the you you get the sense that the guy is going to be a top, you know, he's going to be a lottery pick, then there's a lot of incentive to try and move up. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that they'll have an idea about that uh, going in. You know, the other thing Rafael Stone said yesterday, he said a lot of things, but you know, he said that he's making a lot more calls than than he's getting. And, you know, he's talking to teams two, three, and four, two, three, four, five times. And so you can guarantee that they have all those scenarios, you know, try, they, they have all those scenarios planned out to where maybe if this guy's available, they call this team and, you know, they maybe do 23 and 24 for 18, you know, something like that, if that were to come along. Uh, so I, I do think they're going to have all those scenarios played out. It, it does seem like they're going to be prepared uh, for anything, whatever comes about on uh, Thursday. Yeah, and honestly, in this range, I think they should just select the youngest, talented prospect they can find. I know that sounds obvious, but in this range, it's often popular to select older players. And I think this rebuild is going to take a little longer than most people expect. Like, I think you go, you try to go as young as possible. You know, a few guys I have listed, Kai Jones out of Texas, Zaire Williams out of Stanford, Jared Springer out of Tennessee, Trey Mann out of West Virginia, JT Thor out of Auburn. Like, those are really young guys, and I think, you, you know, they'll melt... They'll meld well with the, with the, with the long rebuild. I, I I don't think that they're, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I don't care how old the guy is, to be honest with you. And really? I, I think that I, I like having, I don't mind at all having the older guys either, just because I, I do think that it, it adds a little bit of professionalism to your team. You're not having to babysit these guys quite as much. Um, and, and I think the goal next year for them should be to be, you know, decent. I'm not saying that they should be, focused on trying to make the playoffs next year because I think that's a big jump, but I, I think the goal next year should be decent and that they should be, you know, they should be trying to get to that 35 win range and, and maybe at least be in the conversation uh, for the playing tournament. I, I don't think that that's asking for too much. I don't think that they believe that they're that far away. I, the big thing with them is being able to keep guys on the floor. Um, so 
no, I, I'm going, you know, like I said, I don't think that they're necessarily going to use both of those picks, but I'm, I want somebody who's going to help me out. And I don't necessarily want somebody who I'm going to, I'm going to have to hold his hand for six months. And listen, I don't think Alperin, Singun, or Jalen Johnson will fall this far. But if they do, I mean, you just have to select them without questions asked. Like, they're just two talented prospects. Um, and, you know, the opinions are wide-ranging on those two. So that's why I, I listed them two. But, like, if if they manage to fall to 23 and 24, which I don't think they, they will. But if they do, you just have to grab them, like, really well, quickly. It- and guys always fall that, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's a medical thing or, you know, an intangible thing or it, it's a need thing for another team. There's always going to be those prospects who fall. I think, well, last year it was RJ Hampton, who I think fell really far um, in, in the first round. And there are going to be other guys that, that are like that as well. So I, I do think that you go in that spot, best guy available. If you decide to keep both picks, just take the best guys available. Uh, doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the position. Just go out and get your two guys and go into summer league, go into training camp, and then go into the season and, and try to win as many games as you can next year. And, um, but like you said, it, it, there's going to, there's going to be some strain put on that player development staff for sure. Yeah. Th- this draft is going to tell us a lot about a uh, new GM, Rafael Stone, right? Do we still call him new GM, by the way? Like, like at what point do we remove the new GM tag? I mean, I already did. Okay. All right. So GM, this, this, Rafael this is Stone. his second draft. Remember, this is his second draft. Sure. So you, you can't say new GM when he's already when this is draft number two. Yeah. Okay. So this will tell us a lot about GM Rafael Stone and how he operates and what how he thinks about players and player development and like you know like how how much they incorporate analytics into their decision making all that kind of stuff. Like the draft is pretty informative with all that. Yeah. Um, you're going to just kind of see how they work in the front office, and I do think the one thing that we've learned. Um, they're creative. Um, they, they've done some creative things, uh, both with when it comes to trades, uh, going back to last year with the PJ Tucker trade. I thought that was a pretty creative trade the way that they they did that. Same thing with the with the Oladipo trade. Uh, so they've shown some creativity. They've shown an ability to think outside the box. And so I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that, um, you know how how that uh, gets magnified where uh, in this spot because this is you know this is obviously it's it's an it's important this is an important stretch for them and they don't necessarily you know it's not make or break by any stretch but they need to do well on Thursday and they need to come out of this with you know at least one foundational piece and maybe a couple guys who are going to be on the team for a while yeah if there's anything we we've learned so far it's that they're crazy aggressive right like like the the amount of rumors that we've co- that that have come out about them being aggressive and trying to move up for number one it, it tells you that 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 kind of mentality has you know shifted over from the daryl Morey era carried over rather and they're still going to continue being like a high phone call uh team yeah and that's the one thing that Rafael, another thing that rafael stone said yesterday is that they're not going to leave any stone un, unturned and he did the no pun intended too after that um they're they're going to make every call they're going to they're going to travel down every wait wait wait, just- wait, wait, wait wait he said no stone unturned yeah, and then he said, "No pun intended." I did. Does, I, 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 at, at at some point, like I feel like someone with that name would get tired of it, right? Like of that of that pun. I, I, I this is the first time I've heard him use it. So yeah, um, okay. I mean, listen if you if you're comfortable with it, like it's it's a great pun. It's it's sitting there for you at all times. You know, it's just. Well, We'll have to keep track of how many times we hear it over the next however many years. 
but they, that's the, I believe that's the first time I've heard him use it, at least with us publicly. So, you know, maybe that's something that, that he likes to say privately, but that's the first time I've heard it used publicly. One for one. Let's see if he does it again next year. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on, Adam. Where can we find your work in social media? Uh, SportsRadio610.com, Twitter, at Adam Spillane, and then uh, SportsRadio610 on draft night. We're going to have a draft special with me and Sean Pendergast, so uh, be sure to tune in for that. Awesome. I'll talk to you down the line, man. All right. Take it easy.